You are listening to The Real Faith Stories Podcast, interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guest and hear their story. Aaron, welcome to Real Faith Stories. Really looking forward to our conversation today. Thank you. It's great to be here with you, Brian. I'm going to just go ahead and read verbatim something you shared that I think will really lock some people in as they listen to this episode. Then we'll dig into your story. And that is this. When you were young, you received certain messages that were spoken over you, like, you're not wanted, you'll never succeed, you weren't even supposed to be born. That devastated you in ways you didn't even realize until later in life. However, the emotional and spiritual transformation that has taken place in your life purely because of Jesus has changed everything about how you see yourself and your Heavenly Father. The biggest lesson is that, yes, you absolutely can go from anger and loss and self-loathing to genuinely feeling accepted, loved, and enough. How powerful. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. And just hearing you read that, what's coming up in my mind is I remember the weekend. It was a Saturday morning in April of 1988 that I accepted the Lord in my life. And on Monday morning, when I went to school, one of my teachers pulled me aside and he goes, what happened to you over the weekend? Mm -hmm. I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, this is the first time I've seen you without a look of anger on your face. Wow. So it was a radical shift in my life when I accepted the Lord. So telling. Well, let's go ahead and start at the beginning, as it were, in that experience as a child and walk through that transition, which you just shared, the major transition point, and then what's happened since then. Yeah, absolutely. So like a lot of us, like a lot of people, came from a very broken home. Parents divorced when I was, I think it was about six or seven years of age, and I was the youngest of four. I am the youngest of four. And a part of my childhood was that I really can only remember one time that my family ever had a meal together when my parents were still married. That's one of the few memories I have of us as a whole family, I guess I should say. But through the course of the divorce, and it was pretty, it was pretty brutal. It was pretty ugly and it was pretty contentious. All of us kids left to go live with our mother. And there were some real financial hardships that came with that. And through, through those years, through that experience, I endured, not at the hands of my mother and not at the hands of my dad, I will at least say that, but I endured physical abuse. I endured a lot of emotional abuse. It was pretty painful as a kid, just a little boy. The messages that were literally spoken as well as modeled in front of me that I was not wanted. Every physical blow I endured reaffirmed the emotional message that I wasn't wanted, I wasn't good enough, I wouldn't succeed, I was not even supposed to be born. Somewhat of, well, not somewhat, it really was a medical improbability, let me say it that way, that I should have even been conceived. But I was. And the, the doctors even told my mother, you need to abort. She chose not to. I'm glad she didn't. <laughs> I'm here now. My, my incredible wife is, at one point even thanked my mother for uh, having me. So I'm grateful for that, the blessing that my marriage has been. But those messages were communicated in so many different ways that I was not wanted. And whether it was intentional, whether it was not intentional, that is what I heard. And that was the belief that I lived my life off of. Now, I didn't know it at the time. 
But looking back, I do. Now I, now I understand why I felt so angry, why I felt like I had no place, why I felt like I didn't belong, that I didn't matter, that I had no worth. And it really was when I encountered Jesus that things changed. It was a radical shift in my life. It was a sweet experience. It was a healing experience. And it put me on this journey that I've been on for all these years. I was 17 years old. And that started me on this path. And the funny thing about it is I knew the moment I accepted Christ that I was called into ministry. Hmm. And the Lord has really used this in my life, even where I'm at now, with speaking His worth, His value, His belonging, that we belong at His table. That's what I communicate with people. And it's amazing how many people I come across, men and women, who need to hear that message. Let's talk a little bit about that salvation experience. What was the context? What happened? (laughs) So I had a history teacher. I always loved history. I actually, from an early age, wanted to go into government service. I wanted to do something with my life. I wanted to make a difference, but I didn't feel like I could. felt like I didn't have what it took to make a difference, but I wanted to so bad. And it was a history teacher of mine who was a Christian. It was a public high school, but he was a Christian, and he would have conversations with me, and he would ask me good questions. He would ask me what I thought, well, what do you believe? It seems like Jesus kind of did that with some of the some of his disciples. <laughs> he would ask me some good questions, and he got me to thinking. This teacher, even, he taught me to fly fish. He took me fishing with him on a weekend, and we went fly fishing together. He invested in me. And as a young man who had, while I had a dad, I didn't have a father figure. And so he became that for me and poured into me with intentionality and love and all the things that were missing in my life. But he knew I wanted to make a difference. And he also knew my life was a wreck. He knew I was doing the party scene. He knew I was doing things that were just leading me down a wrong road. And he said to me, he said, Aaron, you can't even make a difference in your own life. What makes you think you're going to make a difference in others? Mm. Now that stung. It stung. But I knew because of the relationship I had with him, I knew because of the investment he had in me that he cared. And he challenged me. He said, man, why would you not give your life to Christ? Why would you not accept Jesus into your life? And that really began me on that journey of seeking. I went to a few different churches and all that, but it was, I don't know if it was a Friday, I think it was, that I went to my mother and said, I think I need to ask the Lord into my heart. And so for whatever reason, Saturday morning, we I met with the pastor of the church that she went to and accepted the Lord on mm-hmm. a Saturday morning. But it was because someone asked me, why would you not accept the Lord? That's what did it. The thing that keeps going through my mind is the statement that the key to life It's great questions. Yeah. It can literally turn someone's life upside down and around by asking one question, right? Absolutely. Well, it's funny you say that because just this past week, my wife and I were having a conversation. And one of the things that she said, and this, I mean, I I was amazed by this and I'm taking this on and I'm chewing on it right now myself. But she said, most of us, we live on the surface. We live on the surface. And when you can ask those good questions, it draws out those deeper things that are just behind that surface area, behind that veil that are in the hearts of every person. Those good questions can draw purpose out. They can draw life out. They can get to the heart of who we are and who we were made to be. But yeah, that was profound that we live on the surface. And I certainly was. I was putting on this front of angry young man. But if somebody could just get beyond the surface, they would see 
there was so much more going on in the heart of that broken kid mm-hmm. who was, yeah, probably wouldn't be alive today if it had not been for the Lord intervening in my life like he did. And I would pause here just for a moment and suggest whoever's listening to this, if there are some questions that you believe need to be answered in your life, I would encourage you to simply sit before the Lord and say, Lord, what question do you want me to ask? And then ask him and let him speak to you and give you the answer and then see what happens. Right, Aaron? A hundred percent. Absolutely. So as you had this transforming moment and had this sense at a young age that you wanted to do public service, and then at that moment you sensed a call into ministry, what happened next? (laughs) Here's where it gets interesting. I was offered an opportunity to have a ROTC ROTC scholarship for the Marine Corps. I turned it down because I felt called into ministry and I thought, well, there's no way I can be an officer in the military and a minister. So I went to a Christian university, a Christian liberal arts university, but I never felt like, oh, I'm called to be a pastor or I'm called to be a missionary. I never could quite figure it out. Well, it was two weeks prior to graduation. I still had no idea what I was going to do, but I knew I was called. But a buddy of mine, his dad sat on a chaplain's commission, a military chaplain's commission for a faith group. And he said, well, man, why don't you meet with my dad? Let's go have breakfast with my dad. I said, hey, sounds great. So we went to breakfast and he asked me a question. He said, well, have you ever considered being a military chaplain? And I said, well, tell me more. I have been a chaplain in the United States Navy for 28 years now. Wow. And it combines both the service to country, the governmental service, public service, and ministry so well. Mm -hmm. Uh, it, It brings both. And you know what, Brian? Only God could do that. Only God can put a desire in your heart as a kid that you have no way of making it come together yourself. And then he just puts it in your lap. I love it. I mean, without any effort, without any trying, it literally over, well, hey, let's meet with my dad for breakfast. I mean, (laughs) that's how God does things. And you know what I love about that too, Aaron, is God gave that to you in the midst of all the negative garbage that was getting Mm -hmm. poured out upon you. Nonetheless, that was that call, the gifts and the calling were still there. Yeah. How amazing. I love that. So as you heard this and had this conversation, what happened inside of you? I tell you, the longing for what I felt like had been missing in finding my place, the fulfillment of that came alive in that moment. I knew that was the direction for me. I knew that I had found my purpose. And I want to be very clear because I operate off of the mindset, off of the belief that it's not what we do necessarily that gives us our purpose. It's who we are while we're doing it. Mm -hmm. So I want to be clear that being a chaplain in my military career has been personally fulfilling. And I am called not just to do this work, but to be a certain kind of person while I'm doing the work. I make that distinction because I am Aaron and I happen to be called to this, but it just birthed something in me. And if you would have told me that all these years later, I would be in the position that I'm in, that I'm doing what I'm doing, that I'm touching the lives of the people that I'm, that I am, I would have never believed it. This has been of an amazing journey than I could ever imagine. I mean, both in terms of what I've done here stateside, what I've done overseas, the people that I've 
met with and ministered to and worked alongside of, served with, that has been the, the most amazing part of this journey. And that God would take that kid who did not believe he would ever do anything worthwhile with his life, that he would take that kid who felt so alone, so isolated, so, so lonely, suicidal, and radically turn his life around in a moment as well as over time and allow him to be where I am and do what I'm doing is, that's just amazing. That's just crazy how God does that. And I love it. In that process of overcoming all of the garbage that was spoken over you, all the lies, can you point to any specific things that the Lord invited you into that brought the greatest forward motion and progress in that area of your life? A hundred percent. When I accepted the Lord, I knew, and I believe the Holy Spirit is the one who prompted this, but I knew I needed to surround myself with quality people who were chasing after God. I knew I needed to surround myself with peers who came from good families, who could show me, who could model, who I could look to to see what does a healthy family look like? What does a healthy leader look like? I believe, along with Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, that who you associate with is critical to your development. Who you surround yourself is critical for your growth spiritually, emotionally, every aspect. So I distinctly remember that was one thing that the Lord prompted in my life, is, which is why I went to a Christian liberal arts university. Not mm. perfect, not a perfect place by any stretch of the imagination, but it was a place where there were people who were pursuing hard after God, mm-hmm. who were pursuing hard after emotional health, spiritual health, and that's who I got around. So I got myself in the room, so to speak, with people I could learn from, who could challenge me to grow, and that has made all the difference. And I still practice that. I still Still to this day, surround myself with men and women who will challenge me to grow and who care about me. That's the key. That was a, that's always been a big key. Can't be understated, can it? No, sir. No, sir. So as you moved into this chaplaincy, what were some of the biggest challenges you faced early on in doing what you did and helping other people? What did you learn? So it is, in my opinion... Now, these don't, this doesn't reflect anybody else's opinion, certainly doesn't reflect the military or the Department of Defense opinion. But my opinion is this is a mission-filled ministry. And because of that, there are there's challenges. It is the Chaplain Corps is not a Christian organization. It is a religious organization. Well, it's really a government organization with religious people in it. Let me put it that way. But some of the most beautiful souls, beautiful people I've met, come from very different backgrounds from me. So it's that balance of how do I, as a Jesus-loving Christian who believes in being led by the Holy Spirit, how do I operate in an institution that has no frame of reference for that as a whole? I don't want to say it's not a priority, but it's not on the radar. So how do I operate in that context as a Christian? And it's tough. It's tough. In chaplaincy, there's a lot of different dynamics that that people have strong feelings about. I will say that I have encountered God. I've encountered people who love Jesus. I've encountered, yes, very challenging situations, personally and professionally. But God has been with me through every bit of it. He's guided me. He's allowed me to speak into the lives of people who don't know him. I've operated off of the attitude of, if not me, then who? 
if I don't put myself here in this uncomfortable situation, who will? If I don't put myself in this place that there's sacrifice, there's personal sacrifice. I mean, I've deployed for my family for up to a year and a half. There's sacrifice. Now, they didn't ask for that. They, they married in, my wife married into that. That was never part of her design. So there's been personal struggles when you see your family suffering for the ministry that you're doing, for the work that you're doing. But at the same time, we know we're not our own. We know that what we see in the here and now is not all there is. We know that there's a difference between achievement and success. And success is when Jesus says, well done, good and faithful servant. That's success. So sorting, navigating through those hardships, those personal challenges, those emotional challenges, the family dynamics while doing this. That's been a very real part of entering into this. As you have been ministering over the years, if you look at this from a 90-10 or 80-20 perspective, Aaron, 80% or 90% of your interactions tend to boil down to what? Are there certain key things that you work with, issues over and over that you speak to? I think at one point, I would have told you the majority of what I deal with are questions of faith, family and relationship challenges. It's no secret that suicide is a big issue among veterans and all first responders. So I think at one point I would say those are maybe the issues. But Brian, at this point in my life and in my ministry, and really due to some of my own personal growth, I would say It's people who are broken, people who don't feel like they matter, people who don't feel like they belong. And all those other things are symptoms of that. That's what I would say that I see now. And I think you probably know that at this point in my career, I've actually become a reservist. While I am on active duty as a reservist right now, I see this in my civilian ministry as well. So across the board, that's what I see. So how do you counsel people that are feeling that way? Like they don't belong. They don't matter. You and I have already talked about it just a few moments ago about good questions. One of the most powerful questions that I've come across that that I ask people that I work with, both in the military and out, is yes, but what's important to you? And then I ask them, okay, tell me why. Not so long ago, I had someone answer that with, well, my family's important to me. I said, okay, talk to me about that. Tell me why is that? Long short after digging into that, he said, well, Because as a kid, I didn't feel important. So you want your family to feel important because you didn't. And it was almost like this light bulb went off in his mind that, oh my gosh, I never made that connection. So asking questions that get behind that surface that we live on, that persona that we project, and helping people feel like they can be the real them in whatever capacity, whether it's in the military, in, in their family. This is a human problem. One, they don't, we don't even know who we are, let alone that we operate out of who we really are mm-hmm. and we're designed to be. So yeah, those questions. That is such a profound question. What's important to you? And then tell me why. You know, it's almost like the question, what makes you cry and what makes you angry? There is Mm -hmm. so much depth to that. If you really sit and think, what really makes you cry and what really makes you angry and passionate? Yeah. And you can dig into that and look under the hood. There's so much revelation there. And I would suspect, as you just essentially stated, there's so much in childhood that I have found as I've been speaking to people over the past few years on this podcast that 
astonishingly directs our footsteps in our entire life, doesn't it? Absolutely. And you know, those things from childhood that, you know, they get buried. They get buried over the course of time. They get buried because we go off to school, we get married, we get busy. And this life is certainly not conducive to slowing down. And so all those things get swept under the rug. But when someone asks a question, it's almost like it forces a pause. Mm. It's like it forces an all stop to where we actually do have to deal with this. We actually do have to go there. One of the most beautiful examples I've ever heard of this, and I'm not a medical person, but it was a medical person who told me this. It's almost like a broken bone. If you break a bone and do nothing with it, it will heal itself. But if it's not been attended to, it could be deformed. It could heal wrong. You could have all kinds of problems. And the only way to go in and fix it is to re-break it and reset it. I think, I feel that's what good questions do, is it resets, it re-gently re-breaks those things that have healed wrong so that they can be reset the right way, so that there's not that emotional and spiritual deformity, if you will, or malfunction, if you will. And it's for our good so that we can function in purpose and in our optimal self God has designed us to be. But yeah, it's painful, but we have to go there. Yeah, I think you just answered the question I was going to ask related to that is, what do you say to somebody who's afraid to answer that question or those questions? Yeah. Fear, because of my background, held me back for a long time, well into my adulthood. And I only am now realizing how much fear, fear of being vulnerable, fear of being who I really am, kept me small. But there's so much freedom when you can, if nothing else, just admit that, yes, I am afraid. I am being self-protective. I am reluctant to let my guard down. When you can just start there, just be honest with that. That's the first step. That's what I would say. Just just admit it. If you were to stand at the top of a mountain, Aaron, and you could have millions of people hear what you're going to say, what springs to mind as kind of a final thought here? I want people to know you have a seat at the table. You have a seat at the table. And not only do you have a seat at the table, you own the table, and you can invite as many as you want to come along with you. For so many years, I operated from the belief that I don't belong. I don't have a place. Brian, we absolutely have a place. We have a place in God's heart. We have a place in God's plan. We have a place in the purpose that he's designed us for. We have a seat at the table. And there's a lot the Bible has to say about that. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. It's the banquet feast. It's the banquet table. We have a place. Is there any particular scripture that springs to mind related to that? When you ask that, what comes up for me? Again, maybe this is more for me as a young man. The Proverbs have always held a special place for me because that's the very first book of the Bible that I read as a new Christian. And it's, it's wisdom from the heart of a father to a son. And the wisdom literature, the and in this world, there's so much information out there, but not a lot of wisdom. I was <laughs> talking to somebody the other day how this whole thing with artificial intelligence, I got it, pros and cons, but there is no such thing as artificial wisdom. So wisdom would say that you have to choose what place you want to have. And I think the Proverbs speaks a lot to that. 
So that's what comes to my mind when you ask me that. Great advice. How can people connect with you, Aaron, find out more about you? Yeah, so there are a couple of ways. I am on Facebook, so people can search and find me on Facebook. But they can also go to Beller Leads, bellerleads.com, and uh, get connected with me there. Okay. Well, as we finish, I would love to have you pray for our listeners, please. Absolutely. Well, Heavenly Father, first, I just want to acknowledge your glory, your majesty, your character, that you are the great I am. Father, you're a God who invites people to your table. You're a God who sees and you hear. Lord, we matter to you. We are important to you. And for anyone who might possibly be feeling that they're just existing, not only on the surface, but unseen and unheard, I pray right now, you'll speak to their heart. That son, daughter, I see you. I hear you. You're not out of my sight. And encourage them with that today. Father, I pray that you will help all the listeners understand that you desire to draw them out and draw them up into your kingdom purpose. And it's to bless them as they bless others. We're just grateful for this opportunity. We give you the thanks and the praise, Lord. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Aaron. Really appreciate hearing your story. I loved it. Hey, thank you for the opportunity. It has been my pleasure and my honor. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening.